previously on the Sick Invite Podcast. <laughs> uh, so next movie we got is Elf. Yeah, I just mentioned that. Yeah. It would have been a good segue two minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> you are now listening to the Sick Invite Podcast with Kayla Herb and Ricky Grimes. Hello, my name is Kayla Herb. And I'm Ricky Grimes. And this is the Sick Invite Podcast, a storytelling show about all ailments, if you're small, chronic, or temporary, the Sick Invite provides an inclusive space for you to share your story. What is wrong with you? What, with me? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm, I'm fine. I just, I'm a little tired from all of the, uh, the holidays, the Christmas, and whatnot. Those are a little bit of a stressful time, but other than that, I'm pretty good. What about you? Uh, I'm, I'm also a little tired. I think my, uh, now that school's done, and I, I'm done with work for a couple days, took off today, mm-hmm. uh, I think... My brain is catching up with my body, or maybe the other way around. Vice um, versa. Yeah, now now I'm uh, hitting the wall, and now I'm tired. But I don't got nothing to do, so it's a good time to be tired. Yeah, I would think so. This show is brought to you by KaylaHerb.com, where knit blankets, custom quilts, and other homemade items are available for purchase and custom order. Do you like our show? Please tell everyone about it. Follow us, like us, and share our content on Instagram at the Sick Invite Podcast. We also have some merch. We have new hoodies available now on the com, along with shirts, mugs, stickers, and buttons. We are also on Patreon. For $3 a month, you can get early access to our episodes, behind-the-scenes content, 10% off KaylaHerb.com, and much more. And a little gift each month with those. Oh, yeah. Maybe we sent out some uh, keychains this month. Absolutely. If you want to be on the show, please send us your story through our website. There's a form to fill out at the bottom of the page, and then we'll contact you with more, with more information. Yeah, so I got a, uh, a note from producer Klaus a little bit later than usual. I think uh, producer Klaus is a little hung hungover ski uh, from the holidays. I don't know what holidays he actually celebrates, though. Um, I've never met him in person, so I don't I don't know nothing of him. His, his religious connotations or his ethnicity, or I don't know anything about him personally. But uh, maybe he was just hungover just generally. Well, that eggnog. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't know anything. About, I I try not to ask a lot of questions uh, about his life, um, personally. But he just gave me some some audio notes. Um, but uh, he said that the the remember he had a cat. Uh, Trixie. Yes. Trixie. Yeah. Is that what he named it? Yeah. Oh, because he referred to it as Herbert. <laughs> so I don't know if he just forgot. <laughs> That's an interesting thing. Like if you just like imagine you just forget. Like what did I name that pet? What did I What did I name this cat? And then M- you just go with Herbert. a different name. <laughs> Do you think it ever happens with people, like when you have a baby? No, probably not, right? Because you put so much thought into it. I mean, as a child, my mom called me many things not that are not Kayla. No, but I just mean it's not like <laughs> a forgetfulness, but like, you, like, so you have a baby, right? And it's born, and like, it's only been like a day or two. Like, there has to be a moment where you're like, wait, like, especially if you were Who going. Who is this? <laughs> I'm saying like, if you were going back and forth with names for a while, right? Like, if you were like, we'll call him Tim or Billy, Tim or Billy. And then like, you pick one. And like, there's got to be a moment like a day later where you're like, wait, what did we did we pick? What did we go with again? Or if you change your mind. Or if you change your mind. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's definitely happened before. Right, right. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. But it's like, so I wonder if that's like a, a chance where it's like for at least maybe a moment, like they were like, what, what is, what is it? So maybe that's what happened with Klaus and his and his animal here. Because in this email he says Herbert's doing well, though Herbert could be his brother for all I know. I don't know. On today's show we have Alexis Reitz. So Alexis, what's wrong with you? I have anxiety, depression, Lyme disease, and lupus. That is a whole lot of stuff going on. Um, did you get those all diagnosed at the same time? 
No, I did not. It kind of gradually happened. So let's start with the first one. What were you diagnosed with first? I was diagnosed with Lyme disease when I was five years old. Now, was that from a tick bite or? Yes, it was. I used to live in the country and I was little and I was kind of a tomboy. So I used to be outside a lot and my mom found a bullseye on the back of my neck. Mm. And immediately that's like, if you know Lyme disease, that's the first sign. Um, yeah. And I was really sick for about two weeks. Wow. So it's immediate. I, I've never met anybody with Lyme disease who got it from a tick. I don't know if you can get it anywhere else if you could just develop it. Um, but I was always curious too, like if it's if like, could you get the tick bite and then years later develop the symptoms or but so for you, it's immediate. Mm-hmm. For me, it was immediate. Um, normally, I've heard I've met few people that actually have developed symptoms later. Um, a few of my patients in the past have had Lyme disease, but it wasn't diagnosed um, when they originally got bit by the tick. It happened years later. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's usually because people don't know that they got bit? Yes, definitely. No one really checks themselves. Um, mm. I am a hypochondriac, kind of, so <laughs> I definitely check myself way too much now. Mm-hmm. No, well, do you think that's because you got bit by a tick? <laughs> definitely. That's interesting that it's on the back of your neck. I wonder if, like, because I, I, people always say, like, check your hair and check your ankles and all that stuff. So it probably is, I, I guess those are just hidden spots. I've actually had one on my temple before. Um, oh, God. And I have so many beauty marks and moles that it kind of blended in and I didn't know about it. Um, my mom actually realized it and we had to pull it off right away. Oh, my God. They hide in places where it's nice and warm. Um, so mostly like the armpits behind the knees they're commonly found on the back too so you gotta have someone else check you too to be careful mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think I actually know what Lyme's disease is like and I know I know wh- like what effects is, does it have um from what I know it's systemic effects so like it could actually like affect your joints if it's not treated um, you have extreme fatigue I know that's a symptom uh, fevers I'm not really sure what else and what mm-hmm. is like what else is caused by other than tick bites. I know it's deer ticks that carry the disease. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's one of the things they tested me for when I started having all the joint pain. So I don't know if it can include gastro issues as well or if they were just going through the whole shebang of things that could cause joint pain when they were trying to figure out what was wrong with me but lupus is also pretty similar to Lyme disease from what I understand right mm-hmm. yeah it is so how did you so in a couple episodes ago we talked about how if you have one autoimmune disease you can kind of develop others is that what they think caused your lupus um unfortunately that's not what they think they think I've always had lupus um I first started having weird symptoms, what we always thought was like a Lyme disease relapse. Um, I would get extremely fatigued when I was around 13. I would get weakness and I wouldn't be able to walk or like bathe myself. I would run high fevers and I would just sleep for days. Um, And we always thought that was the Lyme disease. Um, Now my rheumatologist thinks that that was always lupus. And she said that it's crazy that no one even thought to do any type of tests on me to get a diagnosis earlier. So you have a situation that 
so similar to mine where you had a diagnosis for one thing that wasn't wrong, but you were underdiagnosed. So like they were ignoring other symptoms because they kind of make sense still for Lyme disease Mm -hmm. for a lot of those things. So that how were you getting frustrated as you were feeling terrible and, you know, they weren't not that they weren't listening to you, but you weren't feeling better. Uh, With the Lyme disease, I was so young when it happened. So my mom was like my advocate and she thought it was the Lyme disease too. Um, Later down the line when I ended up experiencing more weird symptoms that correlated to like the lupus, she ended up kind of becoming more concerned and the blood work was really weird. So how old were you when you were diagnosed with lupus? I was 22. So that's recent. Yeah, very recent, and it has progressed a lot since my diagnosis. So how did they ultimately figure out that you also had lupus just through the blood work? Um, how it happened was kind of weird. Uh, my I went to my physical in early January of 2018, and my scalp was... It has like a weird buildup of plaque on it, and it sometimes starts bleeding when I touch it and my primary decided to do blood work on me it was like an ANA test which is a very basic test to see if I had like psoriasis Mm -hmm. um it came back abnormally high and she referred me to a rheumatologist she was kind of concerned with my lab work and I was in denial because I was 22 and I really thought I was invincible so I took my sweet time going to the doctor's I don't know if other people do that, but I really thought that nothing was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And then I started having other symptoms like very severe joint pain. I had low-grade fevers. I started developing a rash on my face, and no one could tell me what it was. I thought it was rosacea for the longest time, and the derm said, no, that's not rosacea. Your skin's just dry. But yeah. isn't like... <laughs> Like, I don't know a ton about lupus. I I know a little bit from when they thought I may have had it. Um, but isn't the lupus rash, like, a pretty distinct lupus rash? <laughs> yes, and if you see mine, I will send you pictures of it. You can clearly tell something is wrong. Like, I used makeup trying to cover it, and I tell you my nose was bright red all the time. Because mm-hmm. the concealer works for my cheeks, but not my nose. Yeah. Um, yeah, no one could give me an answer. So I ended up towards the summer of 2018. That's when it got really bad because I don't do well in the heat anymore. Being in the sun drains me. I'll run a fever. I'll have blotchy skin. My joints will swell. They'll feel like they're on fire sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on top of that, my rash comes back and it's bad. Uh, so... I did go to the referred rheumatologist. She basically told me she didn't want me to be put on medication until my symptoms were absolutely severe. And she told me that I was a medical puzzle because I look so healthy on the outside, but my blood work is horrible. But like as a rheumatologist, isn't that most of her patients? Like that they have a invisible illness and that you look like this perfectly healthy person but you're inflamed on the inside like you would think they would know better than to say something like that you would think that that's what she would 
like expect from me but um she told me that I was one of her youngest patients she's ever seen with this I was probably the second one she's ever had and she didn't have any sympathy for me or any like compassion so I was in there alone and I was really upset and she just handed me a pamphlet and was like here here's a pamphlet on lupus read about it and then we'll see you in three more months <laughs> that's so dismissive I'm sorry you had to go through that especially like I not that I not that I understand when people do that or when professionals do that if they think you're lying or something but she said you had it but it was like you weren't sick enough mm-hmm. for her that's wouldn't you want to prevent your patient from getting to that point exactly that was my sense. thought and I worked in the medical field so when she kind of gave me that attitude I was like yeah I'm not coming back here sorry yeah she's kind of missing out on that do no harm vow you take <laughs> when you have to become a medical professional how much did you know about lupus prior to you getting the diagnosis of it I knew absolutely nothing about lupus um, so when she handed me that pamphlet I read it from the front to the back and let me tell you it scared the living daylights out of me um, mm-hmm. Like, the biggest thing that really scared me was how it could affect your kidneys. And mm-hmm. I know that that is something I still am scared of. Um, and then even, like, my fertility, like, as I want to have kids, like, a lot of women miscarry with lupus. Because lupus is when your body attacks itself. So instead of just attacking the bad cells, it also attacks the good cells. So right. if I get pregnant it can see my baby as an invader and it could kill the fetus. Right, right. Right. It's such a scary place to be in, especially diseases like this, that you need to control them to prevent these things. So I'm so bothered that she said that to you, like that you are you have to get severe symptoms to get treatment from it. Um, that just doesn't make any sense. I'm so baffled by that. But, And then did you kind of... I know you were saying that you took a long time to go see a doctor after that. After reading through that pamphlet, did you go find a new doctor immediately or did you still kind of wait? Yes, I actually found one immediately. I did my research probably the day of and I found New York Presbyterian Hospital actually has a specialty in lupus and I made an appointment I think for the next week and I was diagnosed on the spot within 20 minutes and they told me that we're going to start medication we're going to prevent the progression of the disease and they they're phenomenal honestly I'm still with them and they are great I had a kind of a scare a month ago and they got me in right away that's great that's the same thing with my gastro I see them that's like the main reason I've probably never going to move out of state because I don't want to give up the relationship I have with them and the availability that they have because it's so hard to find with a specialist like you had um, messaged me that you'll like see them next day sometimes if you're not doing well but when you have a disease like that you kind of got to address it as it's happening you can't make your appointment three months in advance you know so a month ago when I got sick I ended up in the ER and I had a fever body aches, chills, I was throwing up, Um, I was sweating profusely, and ER automatically thought I had COVID. Mm -hmm. 
they didn't look at my throat, nothing, because my tonsils were very swollen, and so were my lymph nodes in my neck. My neck was very large. They wouldn't look at me. They basically just labeled me as a COVID patient and sent me back home and told me to quarantine. Um, my primary was in contact with me. She put me on antibiotics because we might have thought it was like a bacterial infection of some sort. Um, by Sunday, that was like probably five days after the ER, my tonsils were huge at least 75% swollen so I had a very tiny space in my throat for air wow yeah and uh I was so scared and I was in so much pain I couldn't eat anything I couldn't even drink so I contacted my rheumatologist immediately I sent her a text she got me in the next day and they really took care of me I, I was in an exam room within 10 minutes I didn't wait and they just started going to work. That's awesome. Well, not awesome that you were sick, but awesome the <laughs> attention that you got. Um, now, was this uh, just like a freak infection you had or was this related to your lupus? So funny thing is, is we still don't know what it is. Um, I saw my rheumatologist an infectious disease doctor and my primary and no one can give me a solid answer. Our theory is, is that it was the Epstein-Barr virus uh, viral tonsillitis mm -hmm. and then I had some type of herpes simplex type 1 breakout on my lip from the fevers because my fevers were 103 for I think two maybe almost two weeks oh my god yeah it was really bad and um then I also had a mild case of Coxsackie I don't know if you guys know what that is that is mm. um hands mouth and foot it's normally in kids only. So I picked it up from a child. I don't know whose kid I picked it up from, but I also had that. So my body was in stress and that's why I was so sick. Now, are for the do you take medication that compromises your immune system to treat the lupus? No, I do not. I take Plaquenil. That's a treatment for lupus mainly um and it also is a treatment for malaria, fun fact. Mhm. Mm um I did consider going on methotrexate which is a chemotherapy drug and it, it suppresses the immune system but with covid we were really scared to put me on it because like especially I said, in your profession yeah i'm kind of like a petri dish for germs so we kind of try to stay away from it mm -hmm. um, i don't know if did we say that you're a nurse yet on this show or no, do i just yet. know that Not information yet. No, uh, <laughs> no i think that's a good question to ask but i just want to ask before we jump to your uh career because i know that you mentioned you know all the different things that you had going on even just recently and when you're trying to figure out you know i have to make sure my immune system stays strong so i have to avoid this type of medication and kayla and i talk about this sometimes with it's like the balancing act of like you know trying to manage symptoms but i have to deal with this symptom because i can't let this symptom get too bad but i'll have to just deal like managing symptoms and and issues as to you know is that kind of what you had to do was kind of do that calculation as to what I, I can't deal with, what I can deal with, and what I need to deal with. Is, is that yes, kinda... definitely. I did have to do that. I do, I only take Plaquenil and I also take a Lexapro. That's an SSRI for my anxiety and depression. Um, so I was only taking those two. I normally take vitamins on the side, but the vitamins kind of make me nauseous. And since I was throwing up, I couldn't take them. Mm -hmm. um, if that answers your question. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's exactly what, like what happens where I know Kale just the other day when we were 
we mentioned this on the show we were kayla had was taking some migraine medicine and, and then she had an allergic reaction to the migraine medicine which is not totally related to anything about her chronic illness but it's just like another example of like <laughs> all right well i i, I want to manage the migraines but i can't it's all just a balancing act of of what you can take versus uh what you can take you know and what mm-hmm. makes things better but like it, it's better over here but worse over here so that's that's difficult to to deal with now you mentioned that you're a nurse so what can you talk about that a little bit kind of what your uh career is your education that kind of stuff so right now i'm actually in nursing school i'm a nursing student it's a second degree program so i first got my bachelor's in family family studies and mm-hmm. then now i'm going for my nursing degree it's basically four years and 14 months and it is ridiculous um yeah. i love it if i'm being honest i feel like a well, brain sometimes yeah we, t- we talk about that with a lot of people i guess a good amount of people we talk to kill are actually kind of in the medical field as well i guess it's hard to determine maybe you do you know if the reason you went this way in your career and your studies is because of all of the issues and 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 did did the interest get sparked by your own personal experiences or it was kind of unrelated it was unrelated at first but then since my diagnosis it kind of pushed me even harder to work towards my goal as a to become a nurse because when i go to doctor's offices sometimes they treat me just like a number not a a person or a patient Mm -hmm. that they're trying to help they kind of just want to be in and out and i don't appreciate that and i i know that i want to be that nurse that goes that extra mile for her patients and makes them feel comfortable especially at a time like this with this pandemic like nurses are the only people that they have contact with in the hospital setting and it's really sad because they don't have their family or their friends and this is when we need nurses to be compassionate and care about their patients when you found out the, about the actual uh, when the diagnosis came for lupus was how, how did that we talk about this a lot on the show where it's like did you get a formal diagnosis like on a piece of paper like here's what you have or was it kind of just a series of conversations where it was alluded to or how did that diagnosis process work in terms of when you finally got the official stamp or, or is there even anything like that? Or is it still always kind of in flux? I know Kale talks about that all the time where it's like, especially with certain autoimmune issues, it's like we are 98.5% sure that this is what it is, but there's always like a little, you know, every time you check the blood or, or something that could, you know, is that kind of what your experience was like? Um, the first rheumatologist, she didn't really give me an official diagnosis. That's why I kind of didn't go back to her. But um, the second one, Within 20 minutes, they were like, nope, this is what it is. Um, we're going to start everything right now. And how did that feel when you got that information? Did we, I know you mentioned that you were, you read the whole pamphlet. Did you feel any sort of relief from knowing what it is, or did it, was it more just more anxiousness? Or? I was relieved because I was finally like, yay, someone's going to diagnose me, and someone's going to help me get better or like mm-hmm. stabilize my condition because I couldn't imagine my symptoms getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I like That's one of my biggest fears, too, with an autoimmune. Like, I don't know what my life will be like in 20 years from now, and I know that that's not the way to think, but sometimes it's scary, you know? Mm-hmm. So getting that diagnosis definitely helped me in that moment. I, I love that you say that there's um, this uh, disability advocate that I follow. Uh, his name is Drew Gerza. He's great. Follow if anyone 
is interested, but he posted the other day that he wants he he was like joking pitching a rom-com featuring disabled people but also celebrating a diagnosis and he was like I'd love to see a film on the diagnosis journey and then also celebrating getting the name of it at the end of it because so many people like I'm sure when you say like oh I have lupus or they figured out I have lupus people were like oh I'm so sorry and like there is an aspect of that where you're sad but like I remember when I had when they diagnosed me with Crohn's I was like yes because there were so many like (laughs) worse things that I thought it could be and I was like okay I could do Crohn's I can handle Crohn's that's great give it to me and did you feel kind of the same way like not only relief but like happiness almost (laughs) yes I did because it there was finally like a reason behind what was happening to me there was an explanation too so I'm like okay well I looked up all the treatments I know what is available to me I know I can handle it but then there's the aspect of telling everybody else and then the sympathy and oh I'm sorry that mm-hmm. you have to go through that that kind of like turned me off to my diagnosis too yeah sometimes the sympathy's nice it's nice to be validated but other times I'm like I just want to not think about it a little bit do you ever get that like do you talk about your experience much with your friends or family um I try not to really talk to them about it. Uh, It's kind of like I only talk to people that go through similar things as me. I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing to do. I'm still trying to, like, learn how to cope with it. Um, It's It's still new. It's an adventure. It really is a journey itself, and it's hard to deal with on your own. That's why I see a therapist. We talk about my feelings all the time. Um, We definitely talked about the last time I was sick because I was very upset that I was so sick and I couldn't get better. It took me like at least three weeks to actually be able to try to do schoolwork and that is a lot in itself and a lot of people were asking me like, oh, are you sure you still wanna be a nurse? Of course I wanna be a nurse. Like lupus is a part of my life, it is not my life. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't know that is. I like that. Yeah, it's it's hard. But you know, like like I said, it's it's not, everything to me it's just a part of my life Mm -hmm. now do you um because that was a pretty extreme sickness that you had to go through those couple of weeks and do you did you reach out to your school about it like did you were you able to receive extensions or anything I'm not sure how it would work in like a nursing setting like for me I'm writing papers that can easily be extended a day Mm -hmm. um well when I was in the ER um I was kind of like, I was so dehydrated, I became confused. Like, I forgot how to write my name. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember just, like, looking at my dad, and I was like, Dad, I have a test tomorrow. Please contact the disabilities office, find my coordinator, and please tell my professors, like, I can't because I'm in the ER. Um, he did contact two of my professors that I was having exams for that week, and then I was in charge of contacting the rest when I felt a little bit better. Um, they were all pretty accommodating to me. It was mostly just because of the exams, our projects. They were like, don't worry about it. They also said not to worry about the exams. I did have one professor a couple weeks before finals. She kind of gave me a hard time because of clinical, my clinical hours. And I don't know what it was. And I just kind of told her like, listen, 
I did what my disability officer told me to do, or my disability coordinator, I should say, and this is like out of my control. I've never been on disability at school because I was diagnosed after I graduated from college with my first degree. I had the same, I didn't know how to, like I didn't know what was available to me when I was in undergrad. And I also was not diagnosed for most of undergrad. Um, But now in grad school, I've been doing fine, but that was the first thing I did as soon as I got accepted, I was accepted, I contacted the disability office and like, in case something happens, (laughs) I just wanted on the record that I have this wrong with me and they were very much they were like I don't know what you want from us now but these are the things that we could possibly offer you um so did you find that the disability office was ready to advocate for you and they were uh a big help or did you were you nervous to see what they would offer I was nervous to see what they would offer me just because my daily living is different every single day. Like some days my hands are good, some days my hands don't want to cooperate. Um, So writing is a challenge for me. I also just developed carpal tunnel from nursing school. They said that that actually happens to almost everyone, so whatever. But um, (laughs) they told me that I can record my lectures. Um, They said that they would even get like a certain kind of pen for me to write with, which I thought was really sweet, but you know, we're online now, so it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, They really do advocate for me and I appreciate them all the time. I remember when I finally felt better and I was back in school this semester and I I messaged them right away and I was like, I want to just say thank you for helping me because I really don't count on people often, but you guys were there and I want you to know like I appreciate it. I love that. That's so. I mean, they're doing their job, so I. It's like (laughs) most of me's like, oh, that's so sweet of them, but like that's what they're supposed to do. I know. (laughs) Could could I ask? So, in terms of how your professional life and your academic life overlaps with your personal life, I know we talk about when there are people. I know Kayla, for example, like does a lot of when when she found out about Crohn's, she did a lot of research into Crohn's disease to figure out kind of what comes next what can occur and I know you said that you were reading the pamphlet and kind of just getting as much information as I can as you can so did that kind of have a weird intersection in your life because I'm sure with your studies you were you were learning about all different types of ailments and issues as well so was there kind of a cross uh between your like professional and your and your personal life in that way in which you were kind of doing this research into what you had going on or did you try and separate them a little bit I did try to separate them as much as I could. Um, I think it affected more so my personal life than my professional life because when I go to work, it's kind of like an escape for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very like, devoted to my job. When I was working, I was working as a medical scribe for a retina specialist and mm-hmm. um, I remember just going there and being like, all right, like right, I'm gonna focus on my patients. I'm not gonna focus on what's going on in my life. Um, my personal life however did take a toll I kind of uh, shut my friends out and my family out from what was going on I think it was more so just me trying to absorb what was going on Um, I think it's definitely a hard pill to swallow for anybody being so young and getting a diagnosis that you'll have for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. so I I do think it took a toll on my personal life for the most part now, when you were doing your research, um, I'm sure you came across Selena Gomez. Yes. <laughs> so, 
did do, do you find that comforting to have somebody like her who is so outspoken about it and especially with her kidney transplant that she had to have like did that scare you to see what lupus could do or what did you find it comforting knowing that even somebody with all the money in the world is still struggling at the same level as you i don't know if comforting is the right word there but maybe validating i think i think seeing selena gomez go through something similar was kind of like okay i'm not alone in this you know um but at the same time it's just like oh that's kind of frightening that that's what could happen however there are other actors and actresses that actually have lupus um i don't know if you guys know nick cannon he has lupus i'm pretty sure and then that Mm -hmm. that singer seal the r&b singer seal you know Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah, he has it too um so it's like okay like people can live normal lives with this uh flares are not the best but i can do it so mm-hmm. i i kind of it kind of reassured me and one good thing about flares is that they do end so they're not forever which is what i always tell myself when i'm in the middle of one because you can do you get like kind of lost in your flare where you're like you f- like i have to remind myself that it's temporary when i'm not feeling well yeah i do it, it's it's hard to deal with because like like I said before I I sometimes I just get angry like I'm like oh I just want to I just want to clean the house or I just want like I never thought I would say I want to clean the house or do homework (laughs) but like normal things that I do it's like oh even eating like last time I got sick I was like man I really just want a burger right now (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I really couldn't do it now do you when you do have to rest to get better do you feel guilty for resting absolutely mm-hmm. same thing <laughs> now do you uh so we know you have your boyfriend mike he's the one that wrote in oh, to yeah. us yeah um how i mean for, i'm gonna guess that he's understanding being as he wrote in just to cheer you up <laughs> to ask us to give a shout out to you how how do you react um like, I don't know if you've, like, lived together or what your situation is, but how does he try to help you? And if he does, do you let him? <laughs> Mike, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. I'm so stubborn. <laughs> um, I am very stubborn. I'm the type of person that's like, no, I can do it myself. I don't need help. But when I'm sick, I mean... He really is phenomenal. He helps me in every way possible. Like, I remember when I was sick this time, he came over. He was bringing me food. He was cooking me food. He was washing my dishes. He was taking my dog out. He was taking care of her. He even took her for the weekend so I didn't have to worry about her. Aww. Yeah, he he's phenomenal. I just remember when we first started dating i was like just so you know this is going to be like totally different ball game (laughs) because dealing with a chronic illness it's a lot different from dealing with someone like really really normal or like healthy i don't know if that's the way to put it um Mm -hmm. but i kind of like warned him like it might be rough sometimes but i promise it won't be rough all the time so shout out to the caregivers out there. <laughs> we might not want your help at the moment, but we appreciate it. Well, that's I mean that's a that's a battle that I have all the time with with Kayla. I mean that's uh, you know sometimes Kayla forgets that we're playing on the same team. You know, it's like uh, sometimes it's it's you know 
it, it's difficult to demonstrate that. I, I'm only speaking to Kayla here because obviously I don't I don't know how it works out in US, but sometimes it does feel like Kayla thinks that like I'm winning in some way. Like if I if I'm like if I do the dishes or if I do something like that, she's like, oh, all right. So it's like she's like keeping score in some way. Like, but she forgets that we're kind of on the same team. So I think you have a very nice attitude about it, um, and 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 that's that's really good. So I don't know if that's something that comes. That doesn't seem to be something that comes natural to you, just from what you were saying before. But um, I think that that's that's good that you have that. I, I know Kayla uh, talks about that a little bit. Yeah, Mike actually tells me to stop being stubborn and just let him do it. I mean, right? He he knows how I am, so he's just like Alexis. You need my help. Just let me do it. I'm like, fine. Yeah. Fine. I'll give in just this once. <laughs> right. Right, but it's understandable. I mean, I know when uh, it's it's understandable to feel that way. I mean, I don't think anyone likes to be, you know, uh, and I think it's probably a back and forth between like feeling that they're not you're you, that you're not able to do something for yourself, and there's a little bit of helplessness to that. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's also the idea of like guilt of having the person help. You know, I mean, I, I've had in a few instances comparatively that in which I've been sick, in which Kayla's helped me. Um, that I know that, that you kind of feel a little bit of a, a guilt that comes with that so it's it's difficult and i think that's natural i think that shows that you have some sort of ability to be uh compassionate Kayla. don't you think that that i mean i think it would be weird if you didn't if a person didn't feel that way oh yeah i mean for me it's always it's an independence complex that i have and i'm still working on it and my thought always goes to well like sure you can help me but what if you die tomorrow and then I have to do this myself. I have to be able to do this myself all the time, which that's not even true. If you did die, there's a lot of other people who would be here to take care of me. So I don't know why my brain always goes that way. It's something I'm working on in therapy. Um, but I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way. I don't know why. I think maybe society grooms us into this independence. And of course, it's a good thing, but it's also a good thing to receive help and to allow yourself to sit back occasionally and or more than occasionally if it need be. Alexis, did you mention before that you were going to a th- seeing a therapist or did you mention that before? Or did I completely make that up? No, uh, you're right. I am going to see a therapist or I am seeing a therapist every week. Now you don't have to discuss that obviously if you don't feel comfortable doing that, but I guess my question would be if you're comfortable responding is, um, where did that come in in terms of the timeline of of your issues in terms um, of the stuff that you were dealing with and was it because uh, a cause uh like did it come because of that or was it something you were dealing with also additionally so i was diagnosed with depression and anxiety and i figured that i needed to talk to somebody so i started seeing my therapist exactly a year ago and it was probably one of the best decisions i've made because I can't talk to my friends or like my family about certain things. I just want someone that doesn't have any type of um, bias. Yes, that's the word. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and uh, he he is that one. And I, I always appreciate him because he really does help me through a lot. And he has changed my, it kind of was like a CBT training where it's like, Stop thinking negatively, start thinking positively, and it did help me. I, I, It's interesting that you say that you can't talk to your friends about it. Um, do you, do you get, receive negative responses from your friends or family, or you just would rather not put that on them? 
put the information um, on them? Most of the time, I don't like to worry them. Um, and then sometimes I feel like if I do talk too much about it, it might be like, oh, she's talking about herself again type of thing. And I don't like feeling like that because I'm not talking about myself. I'm just kind of talking about like the pain I'm in. So there's like certain times where I'm like, oh, I can't go out because of this. And it's normally just because I don't feel well. Like I, I can't sit there and like kind of explain that because I feel like I'm bailing when I made promises. Do they ever give you a hard time or like do you ever feel resentful resentment um from them for not being able to do things a normal 20 something would want do like like I personally nighttime is not for me I'm a go to bed at nine o'clock kind of girl so whenever on the rare occasion that I do go out it's an event for me um but if I ever have to cancel plans or something my friends are completely understanding, but I also talk about my issues a whole lot more with them. I have a whole podcast about my issues. Um, <laughs> but do you, do, do they ever give you a hard time or they're understanding, even though you don't necessarily tell them everything about it? I think it really depends on which friends we're talking about. Like my best friends, they understand it, but like the ones that I talk to occasionally, I don't think they really understand all of the problems um my nursing friends phenomenal people like honestly (laughs) they really pushed me through this semester they understand everything because we actually learned about lupus so they're like if you need our help like we're there for you um they're they're awesome people um but some of my longtime friends don't really understand it Mm -hmm. and And it's something they might not ever be able to understand in a way that somebody else who's chronically ill or even a nursing student would be able to yeah and I don't really like I don't I don't talk to them about it just because it's hard to understand especially when you don't have someone that's going through something similar in your life well let me ask do you know anybody else like do you have any friends or acquaintances that have a chronic illness that you can relate to I do have one of my old-time best friends. Her name is Michaela. She was diagnosed with MS and lupus. She has other things going on, too. Um, We always are turning to each other for advice or just to talk and vent, pretty much, about, Mm -hmm. like, how we want to treat our bodies sometimes. But um, I feel you. (laughs) She is definitely my go-to person when I'm feeling down. Now, do you think that venting to her, do you prefer that or talking to your therapist or are they like different ways to talk about it because I like both (laughs) yeah I talk to both of them if I'm being honest yeah it's definitely different um because like through this podcast and just through talking about things I've met a lot of people with chronic illness and there's just a complete understanding that they have in like you know we build this instant connection with these people because they have a piece of me that nobody else in this world can understand um like even like Ricky who takes care of me who's seen me he's been with me through most of my journey he still doesn't know as much as he could try to and want to there's still always going to be an aspect that he doesn't understand and I think it's the same talking to your therapist but your therapist can also offer information that your friends wouldn't yes definitely so we talked about this. All now. about perspective, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So how are you feeling now? I'm feeling good. I mean, I'm feeling like my normal self. Um, I definitely got better 
Sometimes my knees hurt, sometimes my hands hurt. Yesterday they were on fire, but it was because I was sitting on the floor playing Xbox with my nursing friends for hours (laughs) on end, (laughs) Uh, really enjoying our time off, I guess you could say. But other than that- break after finals. Yes, that's how we celebrate. We play um, Call of Duty together. (laughs) (laughs) Nice violent way to uh, unwind. (laughs) That's what we always say. (laughs) Uh, But your medication, you like it? Do you have any side effects that you want to talk about? Or you luckily have no complaints? (laughs) No complaints. Um, I did experienced some side effects when I first started the Plaquenil. I was taking, originally the the prescription was for uh, twice a day, one pill in the morning and one pill at night. When I was working, I started getting really lightheaded after the first pill in the morning and that's when I almost fainted at work. So I said, all right, I'm gonna start taking both pills at night. My rheumatologist okayed that, so I've been doing that ever since and I've been good. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes my pain is really severe. It really depends on the weather. I want to say like the heat and the cold really get me really bad. So it's kind of all year round. Yeah. And I know I mentioned like methotrexate earlier. That's normally first line two of treatment for lupus. So we were talking about doing that, but we decided to hold off. Mm-hmm. Now, is there like I, I was on Plaquenil, um, for a little bit um I talked about that in a previous episode when we were talking about outweighing the the pros and cons and how Plaquenil was great for my joints I love that I took that with a combination of 6MP and it was perfect except um it like burned my skin um and the doctor was like do you want to take a cortisone bath every day no so we're going to take you off um but I I've known other people who've been on the combination of Plaquenil and the methotrexate and it's nice that there are combination options like that like I don't know if other diseases have treatments like that yeah I'm not sure I know that um it's also the go-to for rheumatoid arthritis I believe Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah all these autoimmune diseases are so similar they said I could possibly have lupus like syndrome which is different from lupus Hmm. I don't know what that means um but I don't have it um but that your story is so similar to mine um even just with our ages and the diagnosis journey um and I know that other people have had the same story and I'm noticing patterns as we're having more guests on this show so uh I don't know if you've listened to all of our episodes yet but do you feel validated hearing other people's struggles too Yes, it definitely makes me feel like I'm not alone. I wanted to look for a support group, but then, you know, COVID happened. Mm -hmm. So actually listening to your podcast makes me feel so much better. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, So I guess my last question that I have for you is if there's anything that you wish more people knew about your experience. Oh, I wish people knew not to give me any advice about my disease. I just... As much as I love everybody in my life, especially my family, I just, I don't like getting advice um, because, like, they don't know my pain on a daily basis. Like, I just can't, sometimes I just can't tolerate it. And then it makes me feel, like, un not unmotivated, but makes me want to prove everybody wrong. 
Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned before, someone kind of gave me, they kind of gave me crap for choosing to be a nurse. And it's like, no, I want to be a nurse. And like I said before, lupus is not my entire life. It's only a part of it. And I really just want to do what I love. And I love medical things. Like, I don't mind cleaning up poop. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> I don't mind cleaning up poop. I don't mind cleaning people's pressure ulcer injuries. I find that stuff fascinating. And I, I know I deserve to be in the medical field. I know I belong in there. So it's like... I get frustrated and then I get frustrated when people are trying to force me to go vegan because they say that it'll help. Um, no, I love meat. I'm sorry. I just really <laughs> love me. I love hamburgers. You can ask Mike. I love hamburgers. I eat them like all the time. I love tacos, pulled pork. Give me food. Mm. I'll be happy. <laughs> You have to do what makes your soul happy, too. Exactly. And my rheumatologist tells me all the time, she's like, if you want to have a beer, have a beer. I mean, I can't drink more than two drinks because then it starts to bother my body. Mm-hmm. But I will enjoy my beer happily once a week if I have to. Good. <laughs> Got to do You still have to live your life. I mean, exactly. so many people, we talked about that a little bit on our unsolicited advice episode that like, sure, I can do yoga 24 7 and give up gluten and do all these things you're telling me to i'll snort essential oils but i that's also not a life that i want to live so please give me all the drugs i'm going to take them so that i could have a beer and that i could have a burger as well yes but it's in the end it's our choice even if their advice is good advice i don't want to hear it yeah i just i sometimes i can't the people i do listen to are my patients that have had lupus their entire life and then she i had this one patient when i worked at my old doctor's office and she was like how are you how are you doing i'm like i'm good i'm trying i'm hanging in there you know she goes oh honey yeah i know you're hanging in there she's like but just keep doing what you're doing and like live your life she's like don't let it slow you down because once you stop moving that's the problem Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that worrying actually makes my symptoms worse. So oh, yeah. I really try not to worry that much anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, your the brain in, influences your whole body. It's, and sure, like we maybe like a vegan diet would reduce inflammation or whatever you want to say, but so could being happy mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Obviously, there's a lot more other factors that go into that, but it truly is decisions that you have to make to weigh out the differences, the goods and bad, the pro, the con, all that kind of stuff. And it's something that only a professional should really be giving. Exactly. (laughs) But I do it too. I give the advice all the time, so (laughs) I got to stop. (laughs) I do want to try one thing. It's glucosamine. I heard it's phenomenal for your joints, your Mm -hmm. arthritis, and I'm like, oh, it's so tempting. But it's like, all right, I already take drugs every day or drugs, medication. Sorry, I don't do drugs. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I take medication every day. I don't want to add more pills to my body. Like, I'm very big on that. I take a probiotic pretty much every day. I take my Plaquenil. I take my Lexapro, and that's it. Like, if I have to, I'll take some vitamins sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad really loves my vitamins and really wants me to t- be taking them, but I'm very stubborn. So like I said, I like minimal, um, pills in my body. Mm. 
Oh, you'd hate the handful that I got to take every day. <laughs> I know. I saw and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. <laughs> there, Honestly, it's not that bad except that there's one that's like gigantic and I have to take that twice a day. Is, is it the horse pill? <laughs> it pretty much is. Yeah. <laughs> I had to take a horse pill. It was uh for the the lesion I had on my lip. It was ginormous and my throat was so swollen. It took oh. a while to go down. Yeah. But don't miss that, so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but you know what? They make me feel great, so I swallow the handful with pride every day. Then <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. Uh, Ricky, did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask? No, I this was, this was great. I, like I said, I didn't know a lot about lupus much at all, except for just the name and, and that it's, I thought it was autoimmune related slightly. But, you know, your discussion today has given me a whole new insight to it, which is great and it seems like you're in a good place with your professional and your personal life or, you know, certainly moving in the right direction with everything. So it's it's good to hear from you. And, and I'm glad that you were able to talk to us about it. It was just great. Yes. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun on the second bite, you know. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yay, I'm here. I'm here. And I, I don't think Mike could have given me a better Christmas gift. So shout out to Michael. <laughs> we love our caregivers. <laughs> Me and him had a long discussion about what caregiver means the other day. He's like, I'm your caregiver. I'm like, I don't know if she's referring to you or to me. <laughs> caregiver would be him. <laughs> oh, he was right. He's going to love this. <laughs> some people say caregiver. Some people say caretaker. But I always think of caretaker as like an old man who takes care of a hotel. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he is your caregiver so and whenever i volunteer or like with the awareness things for crohn's and colitis there's always a day dedicated to the caregivers too because i definitely would not be as well mentally or physically without my little sweet potato over here i will say that i just want to add something about my family because i sure. know they'll be listening um, my family has been very supportive. My mom actually raised, I think, over $1,000 for lupus awareness wow. last year, I believe. So she really has been trying her best to understand it. She can only do it from afar. She lives in Florida. Um, so I do appreciate her. My dad, he, he worries a lot. So he, he really does try, though. Um, but yeah, that's it. My dad worries a lot, too. It's hard to keep them updated without disclosing too much to make them worry, but I, f I feel you there. I think it's the boundary. Like, there has to be a boundary on saying too much and not saying enough. Like, I really, I don't let him come to the doctors with me anymore because he tries to speak for me. So I know mm. that that's only out of love, but I'm like, yeah. don't don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that um, your family will appreciate the shout out, um, as will Mike. <laughs> but oh, thank Michael. you so much for um, telling your story and sharing all this information. I mean, I related to you in this conversation, so I know that our listeners will definitely appreciate your honesty and your willingness to tell us your story. So thank you so much for coming on our show. Thanks for the sick invite. Yay! <laughs>